Welcome to another episode of Conversations with Lamp. I'm your host, James Lampkin. And my guest today is a doctor out of the Washington, D.C. area, Dr. Natasha Simmons-Wiley. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's truly an honor. First of all, I want to thank you because this conversation is so important. Um, I was intro- I was introduced to you by our mutual friend, um, Mrs. Cheryl Ann Finnis. So I really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Of course, it is very important. And I appreciate you using your platform to have the conversation. So let me start with this question, because I think before we say anything, we need to get this clear. Exactly what is COVID? What is COVID? So COVID is the disease, the term that we use um, to describe the disease that's caused by the SARS-2-CoV virus. And um, that disease has many implications, um, particularly causing respiratory illness, cough, fever, um, shortness of breath. And um, what we've seen is it can be a very lethal virus, meaning that it can cause deaths. So you know, somewhat similar to the flu virus. Um, It is an infection that affects your body, but what we found is that it is definitely more severe um, in terms of complications, hospitalizations, and deaths when compared to something like the flu virus. Why, I asked you this offline and I'm gonna ask again because I'm I'm sure our listeners wanna know. Why, when you when you contract it, why do you lose your sense of taste and smell? Okay, so yeah, one of the things that um, happens when the virus infects your respiratory sim- uh, system um, is that it causes inflammation in your airways, in your nasal passage, in your sinuses, and that inflammation we suspect is what could potentially affect the nerves that are responsible for your sense of smell. Because the sense of smell is closely tied to your sense of taste, when you lose your sense of smell, you have a difficult time tasting. So when when people are saying, I can't smell or taste anything, um, that's because they pretty much are experiencing um, inflammation from the virus in their nasal passage. Why is it hitting our community so hard? Well, for several reasons. Um, One is we know that the virus um, causes more complications in individuals who have underlying chronic health conditions, which, you know, our community, African-Americans tend to have a higher rate of diabetes, obesity, heart disease, and things like that. And so, when those persons are infected, um, they tend to have more severe complications. The other reason is because the virus, um, well, the other reason that people um, in our community are experiencing more complications and severity is because of the lack of healthcare and sometimes just the disparity in the type of health care that they receive when they try to seek help when they are having symptoms. So for example, you know, there are a lot of people who don't have insurance. They don't have a way to get um, 
you know, medical care in our communities. And so those people tend to try to take care of themselves at home. And what we know about this virus is that it can progress pretty rapidly. Um, take, for example, someone that does have insurance and they um, go to the hospital and they try to get, you know, medical care that they know that they need. We were, um, we do, we do have information that, you know, a lot of these patients were being turned away and that's no surprise to us because we know that there are health disparity disparities that exist in healthcare for years. We know that for years, even um, there was a physician um, several months ago who passed away after going to several hospitals trying to get the care that she needed. And if a physician can't advocate for herself, um, you can imagine what someone who doesn't have a medical background can potentially face when they go to these hospitals where there are doctors who don't take them seriously and don't give them the care that they need. Do you think that medical field does a good job of helping African-Americans like do preventive care, like being more, like coaching more on diet, exercise, being better advocates for that? I think, I think that's an area that we definitely need improvement in. I, one reason that I went into medicine was because I was aware of, you know, all of the health problems and all of the, um, you know, higher rates of disease that African-Americans um, tend to have. And what I also knew was that we didn't always get the compassion and the care that we needed um, from some other doctors. And what I think is most important and what's one of my passions is that we do advocate for more African-Americans and minorities in healthcare is very important. There are so many studies that show that patients um, have a different level of trust um, when they are cared for by someone that looks like them. They also, on a different level, um, they can relate um, to someone. When you're talking to a physician about your diet and you're talking about you know, certain foods and things like that, to have a physician who can relate to you know, your uh, collard greens with ham hocks and <laughs> and all these things that you eat during your <laughs> celebrations and finding healthier ways to substitute some smoked turkey with your collard greens and still enjoy the foods that we culturally are accustomed to. So I think that's very that's a very important part of healthcare and education is having doctors that are committed and who have the compassion to take care of our people. Yeah. I want to get back to the to the covid because the main, the biggest reason we were connected because you actually have, like inside, not well inside you, you you have, you're an expert on the COVID vaccine, correct? Well, I wouldn't say an expert, but I am a family physician, and so as a physician, this is a conversation that I have every day with my patients, um, and I do have a background in research. Um, prior to going to medical school and becoming a doctor. I was involved in, in research. I was also involved in HIV research through the NIH. Um, so I do have a background in, in science and I, I'm also a physician. So I don't know if I'm an expert, but I have done a lot of research um, because I do feel a 
an obligation for my community to know as much as I need to know about this vaccine, this virus, because it's devastating our community, but also to know as much as I need to know about the vaccine so that I can let patients know that it is a safe vaccine. And so I, I have been on a lot of town halls and panels and reading a lot of literature just so that I can answer questions, not just for my patients, also for my family members. I have family members calling me all the time with, with the same questions that my patients have. And I do feel like that is my obligation. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and address the elephant in the room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> You, you both, we both know black people do not want to take the vaccine. I'm not speaking for all black people, but the, a good percentage do not want to take the vaccine. How do you feel about that? So it it's concerning for me. And initially I'll be honest, it, it angered me. And I, I didn't understand, like, do you see how many deaths? I mean, we've had over a half a million people die and we know that black folks are, were, or two times more likely to die from this virus. So I was just a little frustrated when, you know, to hear that a lot of, you know, black folks did not want to get the vaccine, but I absolutely understand as a black woman, you know, the hesitancy that we have because of this distrust that we have in the, the medical community or the distrust that, you know, a lot of African-Americans have, you know. And so I, I changed that frustration around to start just addressing with patients and people more so why, because it's interesting. You always think, oh, it's because of Tuskegee. And, you know, everyone says it's because of Tuskegee. Well, for the most part, you know, people know about Tuskegee, but what I think most people have, I guess what I'm, what I think most people are most concerned about is what they experience on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of racism. Yes, Tuskegee was real, Tuskegee happened, but people relate more so to what is happening right now and why they have a distrust in, you know, our system in general. And so I think just addressing with, with patients what their fear, what their fear is, I think that's the most important thing. Uh, for a lot of people, it was the timing of the vaccine. People felt like, oh, this, this is too soon. This is rushed. But when you think about it, this is a pandemic that is basically, you know, gone from one side of the world to the other side of the world. And so it, it is something that had to happen fast. And um, although the vaccine came out faster than it typically does, the research and the mechanism behind developing the vaccine has been going on for years. So that technology is not new. This is just the first time it's being used towards this particular vaccine. Hmm. And so that's what people don't understand. It just came out too fast. Well, it had to come out fast because what happens if it comes out too slow is what we see happening now is that these variants or these mutations are developing. So you have all the leading scientists all across the world who are working on this to try to find a vaccine, you know, against COVID. So of course it's going to happen faster than, you know, the, the um, production of other vaccines. Because of your background in research on different um, medicines, did you have did you personally have any reservations about taking the vaccine? Yes, I did. 
for the same reasons that my people have reservations, <laughs> you know, the, the distrust, the, you know, all of the things that we experience on a day-to-day -day basis in terms of, you know, injustices and things like that. I absolutely did. And, but I did make sure that I did my due diligence. And for me as a scientist, I need to see the literature. I need to see the studies and the things that um, impressed me or the things that gave me confidence Number one was that there were people of color, African-Americans at the table from day one. So that, it, that includes virologists, people who study viruses, immunologists. One of the lead um, researchers for the Moderna vaccine is a black woman, Dr. Kismikia Corbett. Um, and um, that gives you confidence. You have public health officials who are African-American. You have the National Medical Association, which is the Association of Black Doctors, um, the Association of Black Nurses, the Urban League. There were people at the table from day one. So this was different than Tuskegee yeah. in my mind. And so being on those calls and, you know, getting that information that we were there, you know, from day one gave me confidence that this is going to be different. How do you think we how do you think we instill confidence in people with taking the vaccine? What we're doing today, education, getting the word out and letting people know that there is science behind this and answering questions because one of the things that I said initially was that when I you know talked to people I was initially frustrated when people said they were not getting the vaccine and that frustration led me to say, okay, ask them why. And for some people, it wasn't that they didn't want to get the vaccine. They were, they're just kind of like, well, I'm, I'm just going to wait. I want to wait and see kind of thing. And I'll tell you a funny story. My own mother, of course, because I get, like I said, I get calls every day, family <laughs> members and everything. So I'm like, Ma, you sign up for the, you know, to get your vaccine? She said, oh, not yet. I said, okay. I said, well, what are you waiting for? I just, you know, it's not that I'm not going to get it. I want to get it, but I'm just going to wait. I said, well, Ma, I don't think you need to wait. I said, you know, at that time, I think there were at least, you know, 50 million vaccines already given. I said, we have the data, Mom. I don't think you need to wait. And so then I had to, you know, pull a different card. I said, well, I guess you don't want to see your grandkids then. <laughs> <laughs> and so... You know, not to instill fear in people, but that, that motivated her. So within two days, my mom and dad had the vaccine. Wow. <laughs> they had very minimal side effects from it. And the funny part is, or the ironic part, is that um, a few weeks later, after she, you know, was telling her sisters and other family members where to go to get the vaccine, she became a big advocate for the vaccine. Her sisters and, and my aunts actually were, you know, trying to get the vaccine. They are now on the waiting list. So I was like, mom, I'm glad you didn't wait. And that's what's happening. A lot of, you know, the supply has gone down. These vaccines, we're only um, seeing that probably less than 5% of Blacks are getting vaccinated. How many, what percentage do you think of white folks are getting vaccinated? I, I, I'm scared to think. 60, 65%. <laughs> but see, okay, and I, and I understand that, but 
we we talked a lot about they don't have a mistrust of the government like we do and they don't they don't experience the things that we've experienced with not having advocates and people dismissing us so it's easy for them to go in there and get the vaccine they don't have they don't have the the challenges that we have they don't have the 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 hurdles to think about like okay what about this what about that it's just so many things we have to think about when we go in there and I, and I agree with you, but we also have, like I mentioned before, we also have so many more doctors and researchers, and we have so many more um, people in the medical field um, that can help us to instill that trust in our community. What are some of the known side effects? Because you did mention there are some. Right. So, of course, anything has a potential side effect, um, redness at the area of injection, swelling at the area of injection, feeling tired, having a headache, um, muscle aches. Those are some of the more common side effects. Um, there are very rare side effects that people, you know, typically um, that that that's what they hear about. That's what makes the news. That's what news, that's newsworthy. And I think there were maybe a handful of cases of people developing a, a, a disorder called Bell's palsy where you can have um, weakness in the side of the face. And that occurred in probably less than 0.1% of people, but that is what made the news. And so that was just one more thing where people were like, okay, well, see, I'm not gonna get it. And the same with the severe allergic reactions, um, probably two to five people out of one million will have a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine. And they believe it's due to an allergy to a particular component, um, which is the same um, compound that's in a medication that we use to treat constipation called Miralax. And so they believe it's that polyethylene glycol that's causing that severe allergic reaction, but it's two to five people in one million that may experience that. But that's another thing, although it's extremely rare, less than 1%, that's another thing that people are saying, okay, well, because of that, I'm not going to get it. <laughs> They're not looking at the millions of people, we have now vaccinated about 77 million people. So besides the participants, the thousands of people that were in the studies, we also have these what's called longitudinal population-based studies in patients who have already received it. This is going to be ongoing for the people who received it. So we have the information. So when you asked me, was I hesitant? Yeah, I was hesitant because I didn't have enough information. As the data be, as the data came in and as I you know, gained more information, um, I became more confident. And I think that's what we have to do as people. We can't just say, I'm not gonna get it. You can't just be listening to um, you know, little Ray Ray down the street who has no background in medicine saying, well, I'm not getting it because of this. I think we have to use our resources, people who have the background to answer questions about the vaccine. Where are some of the places that we can get information? That's a good question. And so um, definitely the CDC website, the Centers of Disease Control, they have a lot of information um, for patients. Um, also the FDA, if you wanna actually read the studies, 
all the details of the studies are on that website, as well as on these manufacturer websites, but the FDA has information. Other reputable sites um, would be um, Mayo Clinic, um, WebMD, Healthline, um, but that's one of the most important things is making sure that you are using um, reputable information and reputable websites when you go you know, to the internet and not just going on Facebook. You're not getting good medical information unless it's a doctor on Facebook. <laughs> you know what I mean? You mean I can't trust my best friend? I'm just saying the neighborhood <laughs> blogs and, and things like that. You know, the folks in the carpool lane and all of that. Mm -mm. You need to, you know, use reputable sources and getting this information. And you also have to do your due diligence. How important is it to you? Because anything else that, that's important to you, you're going to do the research and you're going to, you know, find out if this is right for you. You, you start by talking to your doctor about the vaccine. That's a good place to start having that conversation at your doctor's office. And um, some of the things that people don't know is you don't even have to have insurance to get the vaccine. The vaccine is free. Mm. Wow. Both doses? The, or... uh, it, all, yes, both doses. All of the vaccines are free. Now, what's the difference between the one dose and the two dose? And so um, we now have three vaccines out. So I think when I talked to you, there was just initially over the phone, Pfizer and Moderna were the first two. Pfizer was the first to get what's called emergency authorization for the use of the vaccine. Um, and um, the Pfizer vaccine is recommended for individuals who are 16 and older. It is a two-part series that is given um, three weeks apart um, and it uses that um, messenger RNA or that genetic um, mechanism, that new type of vaccine um, system that was developed in, um, it, in, the, in its product. And the second vaccine that came out was Moderna and it uses the same type of mRNA system. And so they are very similar. Um, Moderna is recommended for patients 18 and older, and um, it's a two-part series given four weeks apart. Um, both of them are somewhat complicated by their storage and what's required in terms of um, freezing and keeping at certain temperatures, and also um, the, um, I guess, having to get two doses of these vaccines. Um, the third vaccine that just came out over the weekend is by Johnson & Johnson. And what's appealing to that one is that it's a one-dose vaccine. And it uses a different mechanism um, in order to basically, um, you know, boost your immune system or, or trick your immune system in, in, into fighting the infection. But um, one of the things that is favorable about that vaccine is that it was studied in eight countries. The Pfizer was just studied in the US. So one of the things that's favorable about the new Johnson & Johnson is that they have already been, it's already been shown to be effective against some of these variants or mutations that have um, developed. So people are asking, well, which one should I get? Get the first one that you can get because Sometimes it's like comparing apples to oranges with the different vaccines. There are pros and cons to each, but I 
support all of them. And I think that they both, that, I mean, all three of them, not both, um, that they, that all three of them um, are safe. Um, people do report less symptoms with that one shot vaccine by Johnson and Johnson. Um, but any vaccine can potentially, you know, give you a minor side effect. Okay. Do you think, um, like, it, um, when you when a person has someone that they personally know that lost their life to COVID, um, whether it be a close friend or family member, do you think that makes them more liable to get the vaccination? I do. I think anytime you you know you're affected personally, um, it gives you a different perspective. Of, of what's going on and how how real it is. Um, because, you know, for a while, people were not thinking that it was real. And so, you know, I think when you experience that personally, um, it gives you a different perspective. Definitely, yeah, because um, I'll be honest, my perspective on the vaccine, I'm still not sure. Okay, well, what are your questions and what are your fears? Because I think it's important for me to address those today. I'll say this. I'm <laughs> I'm not one of those people who think the government trying to kill me. This is okay. some population control. I don't think anything like that. Mm -hmm. I'm just not a big fan of um, vaccines. I've had the, the vaccines that I have had, they were mandatory. Like when, <laughs> when I worked in the hospital, I had to get the flu shot, um, whatever, mm -hmm. you know, whatever other vac vaccines I had to get. Mm -hmm. Um, and do you have any reactions from them? Uh, I think one time, like years ago. But other than that, no. Just the um, actually, just the um, the pain in my arm. Mm -hmm. Just like a, like maybe like a numbing feel. I don't know what it is. I can't even really describe it. But it wasn't. It wasn't nothing to deter me from getting it. It was more. Every time it was time for me to get the vaccines, I always just play dumb like oh I'll get around <laughs> to it yeah. I'm busy. I got something to do and then the last place I worked at they were really serious about getting flu shots so mm -hmm. they were like look if you don't get it we, we we taking away access I'm like okay well that's that could affect my job so let me go <laughs> let me go get this shot but I did lose a uh, I did lose a friend to COVID and I've seen wow, I'm sorry to hear that yeah and I've seen I've seen um, close friends and family get it. So that does make me think about it. But so when you get the vaccination, are you, are you, you can't catch COVID or you can you still catch it with the vaccination? So with um, the Pfizer and Moderna has been proven to be 94 and 95% effective in preventing severe disease. Um, related to COVID. I mean, that's huge. That's that's more effective than any vaccine that we've ever had. And so um, it doesn't mean nothing is 100%. You know, nothing is without potential side effect, but definitely the benefits outweigh the risk. You know, if you think about the odds, 94 to 95%, that's, that's pretty big in preventing disease. So whereas you know, most patients, I mean, most people, when they are exposed to the to the virus, they won't get sick. The few that will, they will probably have minor symptoms similar to the common cold, as opposed to the number of deaths that we've been seeing yeah. and the complications. There are people having these long-term complications that we're still studying. I have, you know, some athletes who 
are having inflammation around their heart. These are healthy young guys. And yeah. so we don't even know all of the potential long-term complications. And so to me, with those kind of odds, I, I think it definitely, you know, is a no-brainer. And I will say this, because you mentioned athletes. I was reading about a um, MMA mm -hmm. fighter, Russian, a Russian guy. I can't pronounce his. Um, his his name is like Chesmet something, Moskov or something like that. He contracted COVID mm -hmm. uh, back in December. And because he, he just cannot shake it. And yeah. I believe it was yeah. yesterday he announced he retiring. Oh, wow. He was yeah, only like I'm seeing all kinds of things. There's a a, um, a psych psychiatric component to it. There are some people who have had COVID and they just haven't really bounced back mentally either. And you so- think that's the hardest part? Well, I'm, that's just for some people. Okay. You know, some people are, people are, are um, experiencing an, an array of symptoms. But that's just an example. The bottom line is that the vaccines are saving lives. We know that. We know that for sure in terms of the number of deaths and hospitalizations since we started, you know, giving the vaccine, the vaccine is saving lives. And that's the bottom line. How do you feel about us moving forward, like with COVID? Do you do you do you have a positive outlook? Are you still wait and see? How do you personally feel? So I, I have a positive outlook. I mean, this is not our first pandemic. This is our first pandemic in, in our age, you know, in our lifetime, but this is not the first pandemic of the world. Um, and so I do think that we will be able to, um, you know, eradicate the virus, at least to the extent that, you know, people are not dying at the rate that they have been. Um, there is a concept called herd immunity. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that, but that's the concept that if you get so many people vaccinated, um, then that tremendously decreases the spread of a virus. So basically it just shuts it down. But that means that we have to get about 70 to 80% of the population vaccinated in order for people to de have developed an immunity for um, for the um, for the virus, right now we only have um, probably about ten percent of the people vaccinated, and probably about two percent of African Americans. Can you envision it being a, a mandatory vaccination? Um, that's a good question. I don't know that it would be mandatory, but I know that there will be some areas of your life where, you know, they're going to ask for proof of vaccination. I know that in the travel industry, they're, you know, trying to figure out ways where they can, you know, have customers, you know, show proof of vaccination and things like that, especially um, if you're going to be traveling and, you know, trying to avoid all the testing that's going to be mandated. So having that card is going to be valuable for, you know, probably a lot of things in the future. It's hard to predict. Uh, I want to close. Now there's no vaccine that's mandated. I mean, there are organizations and I know the military and, you know, there are certain organizations that, you know, I think they require you, like you were saying, you were on a job where they required you to have, you know, a vaccine. But I think it's a it's a is a civic duty 
I'm going to close with this. Mm-hmm. Why would you tell me? Because you know my reservations. If you were sitting down talking to me like we are right now, what would be the re- biggest reason you would tell me to get vaccinated? I would tell you to get vaccinated because even after meeting you for such a short time, I feel like you have so much more to give to this world. One of the first things you said when you got on this call was that you were going to pick up your daughter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I would say do it for her. Do it for the people that, you know, are important in your life. Do it for yourself. How has it impacted your daughter and her daughter and her life and her activities? These kids are not in school. They're suffering from depression. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's had so many implications, economic, not just medical, but also psychological, economic, so many implications that can be turned around if we do get enough people vaccinated. That definitely gave me something to think about. <laughs> See, you know, I know how to pull the cards. I had to do it with my mom, so. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we'll do anything for our kids. I know, I know. But I want you to think about it and, um, you know, do your your research on those reputable sites that we talked about. And I'm always available if you have any additional questions about it. Okay, I will do more research. And and talk to your physician, your own physician about it as well. Okay. And... um, the ways that people can sign up are through their health departments, their local health departments, if you're military, through your through the VA, and also through um, some of the local pharmacies, CVS and Walgreens. And I and before closing, I would like to say I have no vested interest in any of these companies. I ha- I'm not an investor. I don't get kickbacks or anything. I think that's one of the things that's out there on the internet. One of my friends w- was telling me as well, like, oh, doctors get paid to get these vaccines. I get no extra money, but I get the satisfaction that my people are being taken care of and that they're not dying from something that could potentially be preventable. Wow. I I really do thank you for having this conversation with me because I'm sure myself and my listeners learned a lot. So I really appreciate it. Okay. Anytime. And then you send me a picture when you get your first, when you get your vaccine. Uh (laughs) 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 Uh-oh. You know what? I'm going to, but seriously, I'm going to really give it more. At least think about it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I will. After this conversation, I will give it more thought. Okay, sounds good. Thank want, you, James. Oh, thank you. And, and hopefully we'll have another conversation again. Okay, sounds good. All right. I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to the podcast. I truly appreciate your support. You can follow me on Instagram at conversations underscore with underscore lamp. And my, and my Facebook is also conversations with lamp. Thank you um, for listening. The podcast is on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts. Again, thank you all for listening. Have a great day.